Well, good evening. Welcome to Highland Baptist Church. We're glad to have you here with us tonight. Glad to have those of you who are here in person. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us uh, on our social media platforms. Just a reminder there that you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. Just go to either one of those and do a search for HBC Tullahoma. Uh, on YouTube, we are at uh, Highland Baptist Tullahoma. So search on YouTube for Highland Baptist Tullahoma and you'll find us there. Uh, be sure to subscribe, to like, to heart, to share those posts. Uh, comment there. Let us know that you're there. Uh, also, if you have any prayer requests, you can go ahead and share those uh, also. And we'll try to get those in tonight uh, with whoever's running our, our sound and stuff tonight. Uh, so uh, be sure to share those with us. Also, don't forget our phone live streaming to share that. Uh, with those individuals and make sure if you have any issues with any of these platforms uh, comment there in the comments and let us know that if you don't hear sound or anything like that uh, let us know if you uh, are on phone live streaming and you're not getting sound uh, please uh, give us a call at the church and leave us a message and we'll try to fix that for the next time so just wanted to remind you of those ways that you can catch us there on social media go also to our Highland, our church at our, our website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab there that you can download our worship bulletin. So you may want to go ahead and do that. There's a lot of upcoming things that are uh, happening here at the church as we're getting closer to spring. So you can download that. You can also download the worship bulletins for children, ones for ages three and up, ones for ages seven and up. These go along with the Sunday morning services. So be sure to get those downloaded. You can also uh, highlight the link there, copy it. Uh, and paste it in an email. You can send it to anybody anywhere around the world. They can share it with their, you can share it with your grandkids. You can, they can share it with their kids. They can share it with anybody that they want to. So just encourage you to take that opportunity, just a way that you can reach out to people around us. And while you're there uh, under the info tab, go ahead and download the prayer list for tonight. You'll need that and, and be ready for that when Brother Mike leads us uh, through our prayer time uh, tonight. So go ahead and get that downloaded. That's under on HighlandBaptistChurch.com under the info tab. And while you're there on the website, go ahead and go to the far right-hand side to the Give Online tab. Click that. Uh, and you, it'll take you to a very simple platform that you can do your online giving. Even if you're here in person, uh, you can do that. So I encourage you to. Uh, you can also uh, drop it by the church anytime during our business hours, Monday through Friday. Uh, or you can also send it to us in the mail at Highland Baptist Church, Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 37388. If you're here in person, uh, we have our offering plates down here at the front. Uh, they're at the door as you leave that way or the door out here, the hallway out here beside the offices. So be sure to do that. And then uh, if you're here in person or if you're at home, if you're here in person, uh, th there are just a few of these books that are left uh, of the Illustrated Life of Jesus by Herschel Hobbes. Uh, it has a lot of great information in it, a lot of uh, information of pictures about uh, Israel itself. Uh, there's all kind of diagrams and maps uh, that show you some of the uh, important things of, of uh, Jerusalem and Israel uh, itself, different maps, map structures of, of the city. Uh, of different housing and stuff. Uh, so I'd encourage you to uh, pick up one of these if you're in person from beside the stage here or at the back of the door or as, at the hallway as you leave. Uh, be sure to get one of those. But if you're online, be sure to comment there in the comments and let us know that you need one of these. Uh, you can also uh, request one of the, the cards that has the re revelation numbers on it uh, so that you can be able to follow along with our revelation study with that on Wednesday nights, uh, but this is for our study that we're doing on Sunday morning and Sunday night on the life of Jesus. So if you want one of these, uh, either one of these, they're free of charge, uh, just send us an email uh, to Tullahoma at gmail.com or Baptist at cafes.net. Uh, so send it to either one of those. We'll get the request. You can also send the request there uh, in any one of the social media platforms that you're on there. Uh, to let us know that. And we'll get that sent out to you. It's free of charge, uh, but just wanted to be able to offer that to you as we go through both of these studies. That's all that I have for this evening. Uh, Brother Mike's going to come and lead us in our hymn tonight, and then after that, he'll lead us in our time of prayer uh, with our prayer list. So Brother Mike, if you'll go ahead and come. Take your hymnals if you're the ones of you that are here this, this evening, or this, yeah, this evening. Actually, no, you, you're, it, it's not in your book. You're just going to have to follow on the, on the words. Uh, I have a book, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't. But we're going to sing Cleanse Me, 
Uh, it's actually 657 in the celebration hymnal. But uh, sing, sing with us as we sing 657, Cleanse Me. Miss Pat. Pretty old song. You got to you got to give that credit to the songwriter there for sure. Thank you, Miss Pat. You ready? Okay. Okay. So our prayer time now. All of you should have a copy of the prayer list. So I want you to uh, look at that right now, and we'll go down through uh, some of those before we have our time of prayer. Uh, as far as HBC family is concerned. We uh, still have S.W. and Carolyn Stone and Miss Rosalie, Charles Saunders. You talk with him? Okay, but Charles was doing better. Uh, continue to remember Herman and Judy Stidham, Sandra Wells, and uh, Jim Hess as he's traveling uh, still, and, and uh, 
with his work and and also just praise for David and, and uh, the answered prayers with his with his uh, cancer's uh, journey. I pray also for Andrew Griffin and Vicki Boswell and Todd's mom, Miss Wanda Nichols. Continue to remember Miss Bell Royton and, and Mike Durham and uh, Bill Warren. Haven't heard an up, update on Arthur Hargrove. Did anybody heard anything on him? Charles Saunders? Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's a, that's a praise. They've dodged COVID and he is doing better. He's eating several small meals a day. So that is a praise and that's Charles Saunders. Um, let's see. Continue to remember Miss Beverly Daniel and uh, Jim Marlowe and his recovery. James Johnson. And remember Christopher, and that's where Brother Jim uh, has, has been with him and his uh, doctor's visit today. Uh, Alicia Snell and uh, Opal Brooks family in the passing of Miss Opal this past week. Uh, friends and family. Take a look down that, There's, uh, the list is long. Uh, any of those on the list that you guys are, are uh, has your name beside of it, if you have an update, just let us know. Uh, I want to continue remembering Katie Jo Bailey. And, um, let's see, any updates on any of those from anybody? Then Wade Hall is on there. He's still recovering. Jack Heiss, pastor at Marble Plains. Brother Jim has a couple of uh, family members that are on there recovering from surgeries or from COVID. We have a request to remember the people of Ukraine in that situation. We all see that on the news. Parker Crouch recovery from his neck and back surgery. If there's nothing else, we'll pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for your blessings, for the opportunities and the freedoms that we have together. Lord, uh, I praise you for your power and your glory. And, and Lord, for those that are here, we anticipate what Brother Jim has to share. We also have heard these names mentioned, and we also see them on the list that, Lord, we'll lift them to you and, and watch you work in their lives. Lord, I pray they feel our prayers and your presence. And, Lord, just thank you for this time together and for, uh, for being able to praise you in song and to just hear your words shared. I love you, Lord, and I pray you continue to be with this service, touch hearts, and, Lord, forgive us where we fall short. We'll talk later. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Okay, well, thank you, Brother Mike. Thank you, Miss Pat, for playing earlier. Uh, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation in chapter 2, and verse 18 down through verse 29. And so we are now at the church at Thyatira that we're going to be looking at. And so we've already looked at Ephesus, we've looked at Smyrna, we've looked at Pergamum. We're a little over halfway there as we now get into Thyatira. So Thyatira, we're going to see one of these seven churches. Uh, this letter that John writes here is uh, one of the, by far one of the longest uh, letters that he writes. And so we just want to begin if we will, with verse 18. Uh, so uh, let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like 
burnished bronze. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just bless this word tonight. Uh, help us, Lord, to receive that promise from the book of Revelation that those who hear this word, those who uh, read this word, and those who keep this word, uh, Lord, will receive that triple blessing. So may we receive a blessing tonight as we study the book of Revelation here and learn about the church at Thyatira, this compromising church. So bless your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. As we said, it's the longest letter of the seven churches. Uh, it's interesting to note, though, that the longest letter is written to really uh, the church uh, itself, who was the, the least important and the least significant uh, city. Uh, Thyatira uh, had no political influence. They had very little uh, cultural value. Uh, commercially, the only fame uh, that, that, it, that it had was that it was uh, the center of a wool and dyeing industry, dyeing uh, materials. Uh, if you remember back in the book of Acts, we're told about Lydia, who was from the city of Thyatira. And if you remember, she was a merchant of purple fabrics. And so uh, that was where that came from. It was a city that manufactured this precious uh, purple dye that came from this plant that grew specifically around Thyatira. Uh, this dye was so rare and so precious that one pound would cost the average working man three years of wages. And this was the only claim, really, that this little city uh, had, these little drops of purple dye. And so in a real sense, it was a dead town living on dye. Uh, but the church had an entirely different story. Uh, there at the church at Thyatira was a wonderful body of believers in this little city. And by and large, it was a very healthy body. Uh, it was vibrant. It was exciting. Uh, and we see that even though it was a healthy body, it had some issues. It had, if we might describe it, a, a malignant tumor, if you will. It was, a, it was a firm and faithful fellowship, but it really had a fatal flaw. They had a, a jewel of a problem, and that jewel's name was Jezebel. Now, the problem in this church was that many had chosen Jezebel over Jesus. And many had begun to follow uh, really a liar instead of the Lord. It was a church that was torn, if you will, between two lovers. It absolutely is amazing and bewildering to see how people will follow a lie instead of following the truth. For example, you think about cults of, of past days even. Uh, why would anybody follow someone like a Jim Jones, a cult leader, instead of following the Lord Jesus Christ? But then you think about other things and you think, you know, would you give a genuine $100,000 bill for a counterfeit $100,000 bill? I mean, we say, of course not. And, and yet, did you know that every day all around us, people are exchanging the truth for a lie? So you want to know what the major problem with this world is and, and why it continuously refuses to come to Jesus uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25 that this world, because, that, that tells us about this, that they exchange this world, exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Uh, and that was exactly the problem of the church at Thyatira. Uh, they were torn between two lovers. They were torn between Jesus and Jezebel, and many were choosing the wrong lover, uh, if you will. One of the real lessons that we can learn from these letters uh, to the seven churches is that Satan usually doesn't try to destroy a church from the outside. He usually tries to destroy a church from the inside. And that's why we always, as believers and as a church, have to be on guard because we have an enemy who's roaming about, uh, who is roaring like a lion, who wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he does that many times from the inside rather than from the outside. And so this was a church that from its beginning, uh, it, that, that was beginning here to fall apart. Uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't falling apart from the outside in. It was falling apart from the inside out. Also know this, that Satan doesn't really care about a church that isn't doing anything for the Lord. 
So this church must have been a growing, discipling church. And he wanted to do everything to, to stop God's plan through this church at Thyatira. Uh, no one knew the problems of this church better than Jesus. And he's described in verse 18 as having burning eyes, uh, who has eyes like a flame of fire. Uh, just like a, a blowtorch can cut through the toughest steel, Jesus has flaming eyes that can cut through the deepest lies. And, and with his supernatural vision, he can see through all of the formality that we have. Uh, he can see through the form. He can see through the function. And, and he can discern the problems of the church. But Jesus not only can see through any problem, he can look through any problem and see you. And there may be someone who's here, someone who's watching uh, online tonight uh, who has sin in their life. And know this, you can hide your sin from the pastor. You can cover it up uh, from your family. Uh, you can cover it up from your wife. You can cover it up from your husband. Uh, you, you can cover it up from the church. But you cannot conceal it from God. He has burning eyes, this verse tells us, that can burn straight through the depths of our soul and to the deepest, darkest secrets of our hearts. You see, you're not just one person. You're really three persons. This is, uh, there is the person that you think you are. There's the person that others think you are. But then there's the person God knows you are. So you may fool others, uh, and, and you may even, even be trying to fool yourself, but you'll never be able to fool God. So notice again, Jesus is described also, if you go down to verse 23, uh, here in verse 23, it, it says uh, that he's described as the one who searches mind and heart. Uh, you know, can, can you think of any more, anything more securely hidden, more concealed from the world than a person's mind? And a person's heart. Right now, right this very moment, you don't know exactly what I'm thinking. You don't know what's in my heart. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what's in your heart. But God does. God knows what's in all of our hearts and in all of our, our minds. I mean, think about this. The, the police can search your car. The FBI can search your home. But only Jesus can search your heart and your mind. Jesus not only knows you from the outside in, he knows you from the inside out, and he knows it all. But Jesus is also described, as you see here in verse 18 again, not only does he have these eyes like a flame of fire, but whose feet are like burnished bronze or like brass feet. In the Bible, brass or bronze refers to the judgment. Of God. And so what we see here is that Jesus not only knows his church, but Jesus also judges his church. Uh, Jesus was about to judge this church uh, here at Thyatira, and, and rightly so, because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7 judgment begins at the house of God. So Jesus is, is walking through this church with those feet of judgment. He's scouring this church with those eyes of omniscience, knowing everything about them. And notice what he has to say about this church at Thyatira that we can apply and learn for our lives. Notice the character of this church as we read verse 19. Verse 19 says, I know your works your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. So as Jesus examines this church, he finds several wonderful and redeeming characteristics. First, he finds a great program here. I mean, this was a busy church. They weren't a lazy church. They were a working church. They were a church of, of sweat and sacrifice, a church that was totally sold out to God. You know, there's basically three kinds of churches. There are some churches who watch things happen. There are some churches who hope things happen. But then there are some churches who make things happen. This was a church that made things happen. They wanted to move out for God. They wanted to do something great for the Lord. And it was a busy working church working mightily for the Lord. This was a church... With a, with a great program, but they were also a church 
with, secondly, a great passion. Notice verse 19 there again. Verse 19 says, not only do I know your works, that's the program, I also know your love, that's the passion. So unlike the church that we read about at Ephesus, they had a burning love for Jesus. They hadn't left their first love. They loved one another. They loved the lost. They loved the church. It was a church of brotherly love. If you had gone to that church, you would have found it to be one of the warmest, caring, loving, compassionate fellowships anywhere on this earth. And that's one reason why it was such a growing church. I mean, think about this. Whether you're rich or poor or smart or dumb or shy or outgoing, you would have been loved at the church at Thyatira because this church would have loved you. It was also not only a church uh, with, a, with a great program and a great passion, it was also a church with a great persistence. Notice on in verse 19. Not only did he know their works, he says your love, but also your faith and service and patient endurance. Now, this word patience there literally means perseverance. So, so picture the predicament of many of these first century believers. I mean, they lived in towns where, where different gods were worshipped. And we've already talked about this with some of the other churches. Usually their neighbors would have a shrine to some pagan god. A, a, a Christian couldn't walk through a neighbor's house without walking right in front of some pagan idol. I mean, you couldn't buy meat in town that hadn't been uh, even offered uh, as a sacrifice to a, a false god. You couldn't conduct business without walking through uh, the temple of some ancient pagan deity. You couldn't even walk through the city uh, without passing uh, past centuries and past the priests who were tending the worship of Caesar. But because of their patience, because of their perseverance, their undying faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, paganism was always raining persecution down on their heads. And instead of blowing up, they were growing up. Even though the times were tough, they were hanging tough. The harder things got, the harder they worked. And so no matter how tough things got, they just kept on witnessing, they just kept on worshiping, and they kept on working for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a church also with a great progress. Notice uh, the remaining part of verse uh, 19. It says, and that your latter works exceeded the first. I want to tell you, all of these characteristics are characteristics that we ought to have even as New Testament churches today. But this one even more so because this church was better than ever. They had determined that they were going to work more, they were going to love more, they were going to visit more, they were going to try more, they were going to witness more, they were going to pray more than ever before. This wasn't a church that was standing still. It wasn't backing up. This was a church that was moving forward. Every church ought to be able to say that about itself. Every Christian ought to be able to say that about themselves. Many Christians and churches aren't growing up. They're just growing older. We ought to be like the church at Thyatira. We ought to be able to, to say that we're doing more now than we were five years ago. And I hope that we'll be doing more five years from now than we're doing today. That when it comes to witnessing and praying and giving and loving and caring and sharing and preaching and teaching and working and discipling, we ought to have only one word in our vocabulary, and that's the word more. We sing about it. More about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. This was a church that was doing more. This was a 
going church. This was a church that was busy in the work. They were a growing church. They were increasing in size and increasing in strength. Jesus had some encouraging things to say about this church. But notice also he had a criticism of this church. We see this in verse 20 because in spite of all the fine qualities that they had, notice what Jesus says in verse 20. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. This church had one problem, and it could be summarized in one word, compromise, compromise. The leadership of the church had decided to tolerate this false prophetess by the name of Jezebel. Now, who is this woman Jezebel? Evidently, it was some false teacher in the church, some woman who had taken over the authority that belonged to others and had taken it upon herself to become the official prophet and teacher of this church. Now, I don't know if this woman's real name was Jezebel, but she at least uh, was at least called Jezebel to describe her character. And so that takes us back to the Old Testament. So as Jesus is telling this church at Thyatira, uh, they would have known who Jezebel was from the Old Testament. And and you remember who Jezebel was. She was one of the meanest women in the Bible. Uh, She was one of the most vicious and malicious, powerful women ever described in God's word. Jezebel would spend the first part of her day putting on her war paint, and the rest of the day she would be at war. Uh, Her husband Ahab, uh, King Ahab, or or anyone else who would dare to stand in her way uh, had to watch out for her. Uh, She was the daughter of a pagan king (coughs) who had imported into Israel the very worst of paganism and heathenism. She had swept aside the worship of God and she had begun to institute idolatry in its place, commanding all the people that they would worship the God of Baal. And you remember that. Uh, she had those prophets of Baal uh, that were worshiping Baal. And you remember Elijah is the one who went up against those prophets of Baal and then later was chased uh, by, uh, by uh, Jezebel. Uh, to, to bring persecution to him. Well, to call a woman Jezebel in the days of John, when John wrote this book, would be like calling a man in that day Judas. It would be akin to us today uh, calling a man uh, Benedict Arnold. So this woman, whoever she was, was a per- persuasive, powerful, yet perverted teacher. And what this church had done was to compromise with this Jezebel. So rather than rock the boat, they decided to just, uh, to just wreck the work. Uh, they became uh, what, what would be favorably called today uh, as a tolerant church. There were many people in this church who were uh, of the liberal persuasion. Their basic feeling was, look, let's just be open-minded. We don't need to be so doctrinal and so dogmatic. Maybe this woman has some great things to say. And so they began to compromise and and let this false teacher continue to to pour out her treacherous teaching on that fellowship. And, And they did it all in the name of toleration and peace and compromise and this compromise was beginning to cause chaos in the church and so rather than this church standing in confrontation against her false teachings they decided we're just going to take it easy don't rock the boat here uh, we're going to stay in the shade of compromise because without question compromise is so much easier than confrontation but one of the lessons that Jesus wanted to teach this church was that when it comes to truth, that is, there is no compromise. So as we examine this false prophetess, you can begin to understand why she was able to get a foot in the front door of this church. Notice first of all about her that she was self-appointed. Verse 20 says, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. What we understand there is that God hadn't called her. She called herself. 
She just comes in one day, hangs her degree up on the wall, says, you need to listen to me. I'm the scholar around here. She had taken what didn't belong to her without even firing a shot. A shot. And that's exactly what liberalism does even today. Liberalism comes in quietly. They come in secretively. They, they just very quietly begin to spread their poison until people are, are drinking from the fountain freely. You see, the church at Thyatira, they had a warm heart. They just loved everybody, but it had, they had a soft head. And when the lion came to the door, the lamb lay down. John had warned in one of his letters in 2 John uh, verse 10 and verse 11, it says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the teaching of the gospel, he says, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Someone who comes preaching a doctrine other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not to be received, not even to be greeted. And this church had become an accomplice to a felony, the felony of false doctrine, not because they themselves <coughs> were teaching the doctrine, not necessarily because they themselves even believed the doctrine. What this church called love, God called weakness. And what this church called toleration, God called wickedness. Notice she was also seductive. Verse 20 also says, not only did she call herself a prophetess, but is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. This woman was able to teach and to seduce the servants of the Lord. She was powerfully persuasive. And now all of this isn't to say that only women can be seductive. Men can also be seductive. But she was saying things that sounded good but weren't necessarily biblically true. The Bible says that two of the greatest sins that God hates is the sin of idolatry and the sin of immorality. And so just like when we studied the church at Pergamum, uh, this church was being taught by some, uh, by this woman, uh, that it was all right to, to worship these pagan gods, that it was all right to engage in sexual immorality. It was all right to go to the temple and to worship Zeus or, or the Caesar and then to have uh, relations with the temple prostitutes. Just do as the Romans do, they said at the church at Pergamum. Same thing here at the church at Tyra, Thyatira. Uh, basically, she was saying, you can do both. You can have your cake and eat it too. You can worship your God and the other gods, especially Caesar, and it's all going to be okay. You're not neglecting your worship of God, and that was false teaching, and all false teachers have to be seductive in order to perpetrate their lies and their falsehoods on who they will listen. So to the ear, it sounded good. I can have the best of both worlds. I can still worship God, and I can still uh, get food to eat and, and, and meat to eat, that has been offered to these idols because it's all okay. Notice also, she was scholarly. Look down to verse 24, if you will. He says, but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. The deep things of Satan. <clears throat> That's what she was teaching. In other words, she was very, very deep in her teaching. And there were some people in the church who believed that because she was deep and hard to understand, that she must be very spiritual. Uh, you know that there are some people today uh, who think uh, that, that the deeper the teacher, the greater the doctrine. But did you know that the Word of God says that Jesus was a very simple teacher and that common people heard him gladly? You know, the greatest, deepest theological verse in all of the Bible is John 3, verse 16. It's also the simplest to understand. Just because a river is muddy doesn't mean that it's deep. There, there's a lot of deep teaching, though, that's nothing more than distorted truth, and people just simply sometimes don't recognize it. But notice also, she was stubborn. Go back to verse 21. He says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. 
So get the picture here. Jesus gives this false teacher time to repent, time to get right, time to begin to teach the word of God, but she wouldn't. And you know, false teaching and liberalism is like a cancer. It's so much easier and better to, to keep it out than it is to get it out. Many denominations even have, have found that very fact out uh, too late to their own detriment and to their own destruction. False teaching has deep roots. I, I think about, uh, you, you know what kudzu is. Many people have learned a hard lesson uh, about kudzu. When it first begins to grow in your trees and your walls, it seems like, man, that's a beautiful plant. But if you allow that plant to grow, it'll soon wrap itself around your trees and your walls and whatever else it can get its tentacles into. And it's almost impossible to remove. Well, false teaching is just like that. If it ever gets into a church, if it ever gets into a denomination, it's like pulling teeth trying to get it out. But doesn't it bless you that God was even willing to give this false teacher time to repent? Did you know that God would rather pardon than punish? He would rather correct than condemn. He would rather redeem than rebuke. But her heart had become stubborn. It had become hard and ice cold to rebellion against God. There are Jezebels in the church every week, people who need to repent. They need to get saved. They need to get right with God. And yet Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, they procrastinate. They put it off. They scorn the redemption of God, the love of God, and they make the mistake uh, thinking that God's slowness it means that he's going to be easy with me. They think that they have all of the time in the world to repent until the clock runs out. That was the problem Jezebel had. Her time had run out. And so here are the consequences for the church in verse 22 and verse 23. Behold, I will throw her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their work. So Jesus warns any church that is going to compromise with liberalism and false teaching that it will suffer at least these three consequences. Sickness, he says. You know what a sick church is? A sick church is a church that's not sharing the gospel with anybody about Jesus Christ. That's what was happening in this church. And one of the judgments he was bringing upon them was sickness. Another judgment he was bringing was suffering. Uh, Jesus promised this fellowship, this church, you're going to experience great tribulation, he says. Uh, a sick church becomes a suffering church. And there's nothing worse than suffering the consequences of not seeing lost people come to faith in Jesus Christ. A church that's not going is therefore not growing. And a church that's not growing will be a suffering church church and then notice the sorrow that's going to come to them as you go down to verse 23 and I will strike her children dead and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works now anytime children are put to death uh, their sorrow and the mark of a dead, sorrowful church is a church where the judgment of God has walked into the front door and the Spirit of God has walked out the back door. Because when a church refuses to reach out to win the next generation to Jesus, it is a church that is doomed to die. And that will bring sorrow. That's the consequence that happens to any church that gives in to false teaching. This Jezebel was a leech that was sucking the lifeblood and the energy out of this church. And so Jesus gives them some counsel. Notice the counsel to the church in verse 22. He says, unless they repent of their works. And then verse 24 and verse 25 says, so, so those who are falling for the false teaching, you have to repent or you're going to be judged. And then verse 24, but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Hold fast what you have until I come. That's a very simple message that Jesus gives to that church at Thyatira. A very simple message he gives 
to us. Only hold fast what you have till I come. So what did they have? They had the word of God. So the advice that Jesus gave them is the advice that Jesus gives us now. Living in an age of uh, of false teaching and liberalism and humanism and and secularism and, and all the things of the world, you have to simply hold fast to the word of God. He said, in effect, you need to look this Jezebel in the eye with a thus saith the Lord. Make up your mind that you don't care about what anybody else says. You don't care what they teach. It doesn't matter how attractive they may be. It doesn't matter how many people may be following them. You're going to stand by the word of God and hold fast to what you have. The word of God is the seed. And wherever you sow the word of God, it kills the weeds of liberalism. The word of God, we're told, is a sword. And wherever you swing the sword of the word of God, it cuts off the head of liberalism. The word of God is a fire, and wherever you light it, it'll burn up the impurities of false teaching. And so the word of God is a hammer. When you use it, it'll nail shut the coffin of false teaching. And that's what we simply need to do. Just hold fast to the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints found in the inerrant word of God. And then finally, he offers some words in closing of comfort to the church. (coughs) Notice that Jesus makes a twofold promise to anyone, whether it's a church, whether it's a Christian, whether it's an entire denomination who will stand by the word of God. You'll have first, he says, a sovereign position. Notice at verse 26. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And when heathen, uh, when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. So one of these days, Jesus is going to rule over this world. And those of us who have overcome are going to rule with him. So don't ever give up. Don't ever let down. Don't ever pull out. Just hang on. Because one of these days, those who are true to the faith are going to judge the false teachers. We're going to have the last word, the last laugh of all those who dared to deny the Son of God, who dared to disbelieve the Word of God, and who tried to mislead the church of God. But not only will you have this sovereign position, you'll have a sweet possession. Notice verse 28. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So what is the morning star? Better yet, who is the morning star? The Bible says that Jesus is the bright and morning star. Do you know what the morning star is? The morning star is the star that shines the brightest just before uh, the darkness of night is over. So know this, in all of your dark trials, in all of your dark troubles, Jesus says, just stand firm. Just stand fast and know that one day you will not only see the morning star, you will have the morning star. So just think about it. One day, one of these days, we're going to have Jesus. All that there is of Jesus and all that belongs to Jesus. Isn't it wonderful for us to know that everything that Jesus has is ours? But it's more wonderful to know that all that Jesus is is also ours. You see, it's wonderful to have the blessing, but it's better to have the blesser. There's something better than the gift, and that's the giver. Jesus himself is ours to own and to have forever. So when you take Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you get it all. You not only get all that Jesus has, you get all that Jesus is. And so no matter what you may face in this world, you have Jesus who is with you. So believe the word of God, receive the son of God, and you won't even be able to conceive the life that God has in store for you. Don't be a compromising church and don't be a compromising Christian. Be faithful, hold fast to the word of God, hold fast to your faith, 
to the very end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage and for this message from the church at Thyatira. And Father, I pray that you will continue to help us mull about it and think about it and to let it not only just hear it and read it, but it to become a part of our lives and that we would live in its truth. That, Lord, when we, when we hear those false teachings, and the only way for us to know they're false is if we're comparing it to the Word of God. So we need to be in the Word of God, learning the Word of God, knowing the Word of God. So, Father, help us to be there and help us to, to trust you and to follow your word and to be faithful in your word so that when those times come, and they will come, Lord, I pray that we will be found faithful to the very end. Father, I pray that you'll do an awesome work in our lives and you'll help us, Lord, to want to be uh, more like Jesus, to, to keep working more, to keep growing more, to keep serving more, to keep doing more for you until we draw our last dying breath. So bless us, Lord, in the days ahead, not just to hear your word, not just to read your word, but help us, Lord, to keep your word. And may you bless us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you again so much for joining us uh, tonight there, especially online, those of you here in person too. Uh, you have a blessed week. We're going to be back Sunday morning uh, at 1030 online uh, with our series that we're doing on Jesus. So be sure to let us know if you want one of those books. If there's any other prayer requests, uh, we'll make those, add those to our prayer list that maybe you've shared tonight. Uh, but uh, we'll see you this Sunday, 915 for Sunday school, 1030 for worship. Come join us in person if you can. We're going to have baptism this coming Sunday. Uh, and what a wonderful day it's going to be. So you have a blessed week. Stay safe. And we'll see you this coming Sunday.